it, are we calling this episode one or are we just going to keep a number out so we can stick it in wherever we want? How about that be the running joke is we don't know what episode number we're on. Sure, that works. Okay. I like that. Welcome yeah. to <laughs> episode of we're all just doing our best here. Perfect. I mean, That's the it. name just kind of rings true to all of this. So. <laughs> it's charming. I love it. Yeah. One, two, one, two, three, four. We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. Hi guys, welcome to episode of We're All Just Doing Our Best here. Today we have Abigail Blake with us. Um, we love her so much because. She's an amazing artist in the community that we really wanted to talk to today. And Candace has known her for a super long time. Candace, why don't you tell everybody how you know Abigail? Yeah, we met when I was 13. And how old were you? Oh my gosh, I was like eight. I was, I was <laughs> seven or eight. <laughs> I was so young. Were you really? Yeah. See, here's the thing about Abigail. She's always been way wise beyond her years and mature beyond <laughs> her years so me as like an obviously super cool 13 year old was totally fine being best friends with her um because she <laughs> like a child and of course I was not a child um as well but yeah no we met doing uh Cinderella and um that was such a a weird time because I was 13 and all the other people that were the leads were like adults and so I was in this weird phase of trying to like act like I was an adult but I wasn't and then wanting to like play with the kids and <laughs> hang out with them. <laughs> so I, I really didn't um, feel comfortable a hundred percent just being myself and being like silly until we did honk which was the next show wait is that the next show we did together yeah i think so yeah it was cinderella honk and then i did oliver i don't know you didn't do oliver i didn't do oliver but then we did yeah. high school musical yeah i was yeah. oh but you were <laughs> not yes. high school musical. <laughs> <laughs> abigail and i have had the honor of sharing that role at different times we've both, both been low but Wait. I was like the great value, Lobot. <laughs> you were not. <laughs> you were a great value because the, the Sam's Club, Lobot. I wore Crocs. Yeah, I was, I was great value. <laughs> Crocs are wonderful stage shoes, by the way. So comfy. I can imagine. Yeah. So yeah, we've known each other. Um, how old am I now? Twenty six. <laughs> I'm thirteen. So you know, whatever that math is, sixteen years. Wait, that seems wrong. I'm not in my 30s. You're not. <laughs> I can't do math, y'all. So 13? 13? 13 years, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that math. That's that math. I was really close. There it is. 13 years. Yeah. I've doubled in age since I met you. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I did that math. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. I love her. I love her so much. Took her to church camp with me where we... <laughs> rebelled against yes men. I was about to say this is where our age difference actually like bit us in the butt a little bit yeah <laughs> she wanted to be in like the older cabin and they were like mm. she's like seven <laughs> sorry yeah so uh, I had to make the sacrifice of being in the cabin with all the children who actually acted and thought like children and we both hated them all. <laughs> you were like going on strike and I'm waking you up at like 3 a.m. and talking about the philosophy of life in this like eight-year-old cabin. <laughs> I seriously will never forget that because it was the moment that I just kind of stared at you and bless your heart you were sitting on this bottom bunk we were the only ones in the cabin and she was sobbing because she was trying to like comprehend the existence of god like before time and and i was just staring at her and i was like dang this girl's too deep like 
I feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, I pretty much feel like that's a perfect summary of who you are, though. Very unbranched. <laughs> I also think that Candace staying in the eight-year-old cabin when she's 13 just to be with a buddy is also a perfect representation yeah. of Candace as a person, too. Yeah. It's a very on trip for both of us. There it is. <laughs> a lot of deep, meaningful stuff at church camp that year. Yeah. Literally, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Abigail, I only met you twice. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were at Little Women auditions together. Yeah. And then I just saw you at a show, like, right after the trailer for Fireball, which we're going to talk about, right after that trailer hit. And I was just like, let me tell you how great I think this is. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that very well, actually. Yeah, because I was just like, so many people need this. I'm so glad you're doing it. And it probably came on weirdly strong. That's me. Yeah. I'm either weirdly shy or way too strong. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, those are our only two interactions. But I, I do still think Fireball is such a wonderful, great thing. And that's why we wanted to talk to you today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it was those little two strong moments that actually like propelled me into following through with everything. So thank you for that. Aww, <laughs> <All right. no. laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so do we want to jump into some questions, Candice? I do. So what we're here to talk about mainly today with you is is primarily we're going to focus on fireball but you know we're open to any kind of artistic projects that you've got going on because we're all just doing our best here and it's specifically right now a super hard time in the world because we're quarantined and um people are turning to art as a form of therapy um and everyone's talking about how important the arts are and so you know outside of just needing a mental break or distraction the arts are important all the time because they allow viewers writers actors to kind of go through pieces of life that that are hard and and you've got to process that in some way or another not everybody can afford therapy and um so <laughs> i think what has really just inspired us and impressed us about you is that you took something that is really not fun to confront and you processed it in a really beautiful way. And so I guess the first question that's, that's a very big question <laughs> is, um, can you give us a synopsis of Fireball and talk about a little bit of what inspired it? Yeah. Um, so the first installment that we were working on back in 2018 um, has grown a little bit, but we can <laughs> we can uh, go through that first right, or it wasn't even the first right. Um, I've been working on the screenplay for since 2015, I guess. Wow. The first time I sat down and started writing it out, um, but at first it was just writing down dialogue like real life dialogue that had already happened like actually happened and that was me like you said just processing that and trying to come to terms with it because I was I mean I was 18 when said incident happened and 19 when I started writing um so what it's about is um my good friend uh Grace Grace Kling you know Grace mm -hmm. love Grace great. awesome yeah. super um, talented awesome lady yeah, with a podcast that everybody should listen to. Yeah. Tell me on a Sunday. Go check it out. She's amazing. I'm actually a Patreon of that. Yay! <laughs> <You guys up. laughs> um, anyway, she had a um, solo show, and she, I think, put it best. Um, she compared this man, this uh, director, to <laughs> Harvey Weinstein before the money. For real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which was great. I love that. Um, anyway, so a horrible, horrible person that I think all of us have worked with. Um, and the frustrating thing for me was I had had this experience with him, but he had this almost like godlike outer image to people. Yeah. 
And that was the most frustrating thing because it wasn't just me processing all these emotions. It was having to deal with that and the fear that people wouldn't believe my story about him. Yeah. Um, and then there were, there was talk between, you know, the younger people in the casts and that was his primary target was the younger people. Um, I don't think I've actually come out and said it, but he is a pedophile <laughs> um, who um, grooms young women when they are very young, starting very young, like as young as like eight years old. It's insane. Um, so I started writing about that, just my frustration. And um, I just took the Enneagram test. I don't know if anyone has seen that, but I'm definitely a four. So that's how I process things <laughs> um, is by writing and creating and it's, it's hard for me to express things without that. Anyway, so um, yeah, that's kind of how that started and the story just kind of walks through the real life story of what happened. Um, it's a little dramatized for TV, obviously. Um, there's dancing. <laughs> there's going to be a full on production within the movie. Um, but yeah, I think it really hits um, some of the really important topics when it comes to sexual assault and grooming and um, these people that have these power positions and just keep getting away with things. So yeah. hopefully it'll um, bring some of those things to light eventually and people will open their eyes finally. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, you mentioned that we've all worked with this person and um, I never, thankfully, uh, was put into a position because I just always had, um, vibes. Like, I don't, I feel like that's one of my superpowers. If you want <laughs> right. to that, it's just like, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at reading people and he just always had the worst vibe to yeah. me. And, um, and so I think there were times when, maybe he was attempting to go that direction and I just flat shut it down. And, um, but then it didn't matter because even if I felt that way or recognized that, um, it was still happening to, to friends of mine. And he had this ability to make people feel like, um, somehow he had a power over them. And so they weren't talking about it. Right. So it didn't matter that I could recognize it because I didn't know what was happening because nobody was talking about it. And then if anybody did kind of like allude to a problem, there was still the entire rest of the community that supported him like to the ends of the earth. And I never understood that either, <laughs> but um, it's such a frustrating thing. And I think that that is why, something like fireball is so important because the more we can talk about the fact that it's real and um that it's happening and that uh perception is not truth right yeah um hopefully the the less it will happen in the future yeah, yeah. Um, well it's funny that you brought that up, the whole superpower thing or whatever you said about his power to make people believe things. And I, I've done a lot of thinking about that and it's, it really is the grooming aspect that comes into it because, um, that the whole point of grooming is manipulating people into, you know, trusting you enough to do these acts that they want you to do or follow through and being alone with them or like I said, trusting them. Um, and part of that is gaining the trust of the parents too. And the parents were the ones who saw him as this like God figure and it all makes sense. Honestly, I mean, his superpower <laughs> really was, he had mastered grooming in every aspect of the word. And that's the scary part. It yeah. really is. That it's was really something I was going to bring up was like, he was just a, a master manipulator of people. Like it was so... Like, early on, I found out what was going on, which is not, that's something I still feel like tons of guilt about, and it, and it sucks, and it sucks more for people that were in the situation that, that you and other girls were in, but it just sucks to feel that guilt. <laughs> um, but he had, like Candace was saying, he had so many different people convinced of 
one side of him and then other people got to see that darker side yeah, and it yes. was it sucks to me that like so much beautiful art that could have been that's still were valid things and and still things that probably people in in the community may have been touched by but it's it's shadowed now by this evil cloud and I feel like we still haven't really pulled out of that in the community yet and I, I hope we do because there's so many talented 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 people in the area that can do better than than what was happening there and we have to do better now I mean it's just a different world like we have to do better now um but in terms of you kind of touched on this already but like were was it equal parts like therapy for yourself in writing it and awareness it's really funny um it kind of evolved um because first it was just purely for therapy and then um yeah. the girl who actually came forward about him messaged me and told me that the whole journey had touched her and that she was going to come forward about it like I think I was like one of the first people she messaged about it when she went because it was like 7 a.m. <laughs> it was like super early. Um, and that touched me. And like, I think secretly it always was about the awareness, but after seeing so many people touched by it, it became more about that. And I've actually altered the script to have um, a different underlying message than it originally did um, to kind of highlight the grooming aspect. Cause I think that was the most important thing. And that's not what I, wrote first in my like frustration and anger and it was just my experience but it's um I think it's important to share my experience but it's also important to share what other people were going through with him as well so it's it's grown into that I think that part of it the grooming aspect is something that people gloss over in all honesty yeah. like they treat that particular type of abuse as like, well, you know, like the grooming is something that slides in under the radar for a lot of people. Exactly. And, and that's great that you, that you're focusing on that because so many people are, are not educated about that side of, of what that looks like. Right. Well, it comes in different forms and it, it is manipulation and that's why people can't see it. And I think that's why you said that half of the community saw him this way and half the community saw him another way. And I think it was the younger demographic that really saw this part of him, but they felt stupid coming to the older demographic because of the same reason, because it would just slide under the radar and they wouldn't believe them. And then the younger demographic is left with this, well, I mean, we're all seeing it happen. Like, how are these other people not seeing it happen? So it must be normal. It must be okay. Yeah. And it's just not. Yeah. It was hard for me to distinguish, um, between, it's just, it was so perfectly designed to be messy enough to keep people from doing anything. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, part of his manipulation was that nobody went into any situation feeling like it wasn't their choice. You know, like at first, like they thought, oh, this is a relationship. There's, there's, love here. There's, there's opportunity here. There's, you know, it, it was never just a direct attack at the beginning. And so if I heard that a friend of mine was, you know, kind of like interested in him or there were things going on, you know, to all that I could see, it was consensual. Yeah. And, and yeah. of course there was, the legal age differences that were an issue, but I wasn't going to be the party pooper that, you know, brought that up. But, right. um, you know, it, man, it's just, it's really so frustrating to, to look back. Cause all you do when, when things like this become put into the light, like finally is look right. at everything that happened and everyone that you spoke with and think of everything you should have done or could have done differently to protect people. And I think that's what Ginny Beth was kind of talking about earlier. But, you know, the main thing that we can do is, uh, is talk about it, raise awareness. And then what you're doing is all of that plus 
an extra beautiful step because you're not only putting this out into the world, but you're doing it in a beautiful way. And I think that while it's, I just wish that none of it had ever happened. It did. And so um, the beauty is that a storyteller can now create something profound from something terrible. And so um, I want to kind of, I know that you're in rewrites right now. (laughs) um, So I don't know if you want to keep a few things under wraps about what they can see later or what, but just um, what made you decide on some of the artistic choices that you put into the script? Um, Because I, I just thought it was so cool that you were using dance and things to, to represent some of the actions. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, um, first of all, thank you for everything that you're saying. It's so nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like this that propels me, like I said, to keep Mm -hmm. writing. Um, so originally, like I said, this was just basically like a transcript from real life. Like I was just writing life and, um, a lot of my memories of, his manipulation, um, back up a little bit. I came into this company at a very unique position because I had never worked with him before. And I was fresh out of high school, just graduated. I had dropped out of college. Like I was in a bad place with my parents. Like I was living by myself in a studio apartment downtown, like all this financial obligation all of a sudden. Um, and the cast was a cast that hadn't done much with him either. So there wasn't all that talk, that stigma that surrounded him wherever he went in this particular cast. Um, So I saw him in a new light that I hadn't heard talk of or seen ever. And um, he was charming. I mean, he was messaging me constantly. I thought he was a little creepy at times. So I never agreed to like go out on dates with him. And I think that really bothered him and like, he blacklisted me because of all this. (laughs) Um, And I actually started seeing someone else and that just made everything so much worse. Um, It was, it was a bad time. Anyway, so all of my memories of his like first initial like creepiness and manipulation was centered around um, dance and dance rehearsals because Chicago was the show I was in. Um, And so we were always there (laughs) with dance rehearsals and um, you know, it was hot in the loft, so there was skimpy clothing, and I was like, this would be the perfect backdrop <laughs> for a short film. So I just kind of um, interwove that a little bit, um, but I had different ideas. Part of it was going to be set at a masquerade ball because, you know, masks, symbolism. But <laughs> um, I mean, it, it went through different, different um, stages, obviously, but I think the dance thing was the minimal amount that I could do while also getting that like passion and that aggression in at the same time that the script could offer. Um, but yeah, that's why I chose that specific artistic element. Um, so yeah, just real life really. (laughs) And, um, the only thing that's really changed, I know you mentioned the rewrites. The only thing that has really changed is, um, I really wanted a bigger budget Mm -hmm. and I want it to be a little longer. I'm thinking more like 30 to 40 minute short films. So I think um, festivals will kind of be more out of the question than when it was just a 15 minute film. Um, but budget was one thing. And also after, I know we'll get into this probably, but um, after the trial that happened with him, um, I saw so much more and I learned so much more about myself and about how people are affected by these things and completely recentered the plot. Um, it's not just about the main character, Stella, anymore. It's about her perceiving the things that are happening, not only to herself, but to younger people. Um, I mean, she's 18 in the script, just like I was at the time. Um, so she has that little bit of wisdom, but she's still a little ignorant to everything. So she's seeing things that other people aren't seeing. And then after what happens to her happens, she sees even more. And she comes in and um, this other character that I added, 
probably going to be everyone's favorite character. She's going to be the, um, how do I describe her? <laughs> I don't even know. She's, she's the underdog, but she's the one that comes out on top at the end. Um, she's, she's the empathetic character because I think the main character that I wrote forever ago, she, um, she needs to be a little more aggressive and powerful so that she can have an effect and so that she can deliver this message. Um, if any of that made sense. <laughs> um, very excited to see. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So it's just little changes like that. I mean, that's not a little change, but there will be a lot more to it. <laughs> I think I really needed more depth in the storyline to really get the message across because, um, the original story just, it kind of fell flat for me. Um, because there's, it's just a situation. There's so much more to it. There's so much more to tell and to share and to teach people. Um, like you said about raising awareness, that's, that's what it's about now. That's yeah. all it is. Now, so, yeah, well, I think that speaks to the creative process is called a process for a reason. <laughs> and so, yes. um, you said that we'll, we might talk about it later, but I'd love to just talk about it now. So you're going through a process with this art and you went through this entire trial. And um, so can you speak to how that affected you? I know that artistically you said that you saw so much more that you want to put light on. Um, but, but personally, if you don't care to talk about it, how, how was that for you? Was it, was there satisfaction in it? Did it bring up things that? Um, speaking from just my point of view, I can't really speak for, um, the other young women that were involved, I know they were a lot more affected by it than I was. I mean, I had more time to come to terms with everything. And I, I don't think any sexual assault case is worse than another per se, because everything internally is the same for the victims. Um, they lost something and that's what it comes down to. Um, so, I'm not going to say that what happened to these young women is worse than what happened to me, but I did have more time to come to terms with it. And they were so much younger and God, it just broke them. It, it really did. And I didn't realize that that's what it could have led to, you know? And um, that was just a huge awakening for me personally. And it, it just, like I said, it, it rushed all of these new thoughts and ideas through, um, the creative process just because I wanted other people to see how these women were feeling and to see their journey. And I was so mad and angry. And I think that was, I think that was the first time I came to terms with what happened to me too, was watching them process their own feelings because it's one of those things you just block out. You just, you ignore it. <laughs> um, so it became kind of my mission through the process of the trial to become like a spokeswoman for these women and, you know, write their story for them um, from a distance. I mean, it's not really my story to tell, but since I'm involved, I mean, I have to do everything that I can at this point. Um, that's just how I feel. Um, I'm rambling now. <laughs> I mean, during that time, oh, are you getting a phone call? I was getting a phone call, I'm sorry. I mean, during that time, you you did a lot of posts, but you, you did it with, like, so much beautiful honesty and, like, kindness towards those girls, and, and it was always really powerful to read and, um, and to see, and I remember, weirdly, like, we've talked about you, the process, and I'm sure, like, the way you felt at the beginning when you first started putting that dialogue to now to when you're going to be done with it, you're going to be in so many different emotional places. But I remember you and I, Candace, were sitting in, in the audience of Big Fish, the second go round, um, when we saw the trailer pop up on Facebook. And oh, really? Like, yeah. And, and <laughs> I mean, this is probably a weird emotion to have in the midst of this situation. But I just remember being so like gratified by it and so like excited that somebody was finally speaking their truth about it when yeah. it's something that we've all put a, a veil over because we didn't know what else to do. Somebody right. being brave enough to just go, nope, here it is, was was a very 
a very powerful thing. And I think it was probably a very powerful thing for a lot of people that saw it. Um, so like, how do you feel now in, in comparison to how you felt at the beginning and, and what do you surmise for, for the end, how you're, how you're gonna, how you're gonna right. speak into the future and tell me how you think you're gonna feel when all this is over. <laughs> well, I thought about this a lot, actually. Um, so when I first came out with the idea of, I'm gonna make this into a film, I was talking with, um, my friend Norman, you know Norman, we all know Norman. <laughs> um, and he was actually the one that pushed me to go through with it because he just sat me down one day on Facebook Messenger and was like, <laughs> he was like, look, Abigail, I think you have really great ideas, but you need to follow through with them. Like, I think he was just being super real with me. He was like, I think you are kind of all talk, no action. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're, you're a good friend. <laughs> um, of course it hurt in the moment, but I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I need to do this. So I finished the script within a week, <laughs> um, or at least something that I could present. And I called up this DP that I'd worked with before and I was like, Hey, David, um, <laughs> do you want to like make a film with me? <laughs> and he agreed to meet with me. Um, and it was just, it was great from then on. Um, but I was terrified to answer your question. I was absolutely terrified to come out with this idea. And because at this point the trial hadn't happened and yeah. nothing had been brought to light completely. I think he went through um, some financial issues. So he wasn't doing any shows at the time. Right. Um, so he wasn't really out in the open, but people still didn't know that like they had no idea. So when I came out with the trailer, I was, yeah, I was terrified. And I was like, how are people going to perceive this? Like, am I getting a lot of backlash? Like, I fully expected to get all the backlash, honestly. Um, but Did you I, get any? Nope. I was only welcomed with support. If there was any backlash, it happened in secret. Because I didn't know about it. Um, yeah. So that was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it happened, I mean, we premiered it in the setting of the fashion show, the Every Woman fashion show that we had back in uh, 2018, just in kind of awareness for the movie. It was supposed to be a fundraiser, but I, I mean, we barely even broke even for <laughs> what we spent at the place. So, but I mean, it was a great event and um, it was a learning process and I think people really responded well. Um, so yeah, it was the perfect setting. Uh, but yeah, I was terrified and it, it turned out fine. But I'm excited to um, go back and do it justice this time. <laughs> so, so what would be your, I guess, perfect outcome? Like, okay, so imagine a world where you look into the future, your short film is completed, you've just premiered it. Um, what does that look like or feel like for you? Um... I mean, obviously, I've dreamed of, you know, having the <laughs> glamorous premiere that mm -hmm. everyone dreams of. Um, but really, I think I would just want it to get on people's screens. Um, and I, I want people to see it. I want people to understand it. I want it to maybe, you know, reopen all of these feelings that people have had in the past about sexual assault and uh, they can see it in a new light. Um, and they can realize that it doesn't just happen in Hollywood. Like it's happening in your, in your town, like right under your nose. Uh, I want, you know, I want the people, the parents of the community to feel guilty, honestly. <laughs> I want them to be able to, not really guilty per se, but I want them to be able to be more aware of things that are happening and try to pick it out in a crowd, like try to notice the signs and protect the younger community because that wasn't happening. Yeah. And I think that's why there were so many victims from this. But yeah, I mean, I want there to be a big premiere, obviously. I, I thought about entering into festivals just to get it, to get the reach out. Um, but if it's super long, that probably won't happen. Um, there has been talk of making it into a feature Mm. Um, but that is a whole other story. <laughs> That's a whole other budget and crew and 
traveling and gotcha. all that good stuff. So I think the short first and then if it goes somewhere, we'll think about it. Yeah. Any of that. The short Yay. feature length. I'm just pumped. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to bring awareness to it, honestly. And I think the bigger it is, the more that will happen. So, and I, I mean, obviously, um, with the Every Woman Fashion Show, all the proceeds went to the film, the minuscule amount that there is. So um, it's all just kind of sitting in reserve waiting for production. But I would love to do that on a bigger scale and eventually try to have like an annual event that donates to a charity of choice, um, like partnership in Chattanooga is awesome. <clears throat> they actually um, sponsored, I wouldn't really call it sponsored, the fashion show. Um, we donated like more than 50 dresses to them because I partnered with um, my aunt's dress shop in Hickson. Um, so she had some dresses that she gave to them for their uh, cause cloth, their store. Their, um, it's kind of like a thrift store that they have on site. Um, if you don't know what partnership is, Jenny Beth, it's, um, it is a shelter slash uh, organization in downtown Chattanooga that stays pretty under wraps, but they, um, <clears throat> they support victims of domestic abuse and sexual assault. And it's awesome. It's an awesome organization. But something like that, like I would love to start donating proceeds of some kind of annual event or from the film, because it's, it's not about the money for me. It's, it's about the awareness, so. Yeah. So I feel like when, like you said, you feel like this isn't your story fully to tell, but I feel like in so many ways, you're telling the story of so many women in, in different states, countries, it, like across the world that this has happened to with, you know, your own personal experiences and, you know, what you've been able to witness. And so I just think that when tragedy strikes and it strikes near a storyteller, things, <laughs> um, they just evolve and, and they grow into something that, that can be bigger than, than themselves. And I just think that that is one of the beautiful things about what you can do and what artists in general get to do. And um, so I wanted to ask outside of this particular experience, can you think of other times in your life where you have used art to kind of process things going on around you or things that you've seen or that bother you, whether it be how did God exist before time or, you know, whatever, because I know the way your mind works, it's, it, you think very deeply and you feel very deeply. And so, um, that's all got to get processed in some way. And I know that you have a beautiful voice and you're just talented in so very, very many ways. So would you talk about other times in your life that you've used art and, um, and how it's kind of been uh, an outlet for you. Yeah. Um, well, as long as I can remember everything that comes to me in any emotional form um, comes to me in a way of writing. Like I see it like it's playing out on the screen almost. So like screenplays were naturally um, a great outlet for me. I've been writing since... God, I don't even know when. Um, I had a creative writing class in high school, and in high school, I was going through a lot of um, mental illness issues, just with stress and not sleeping well, and you know all the things that come with high school stress. <laughs> um, but I was actually uh, diagnosed with depression, and I didn't want to take pills. I didn't want to take any medication, and I had a fabulous doctor who gave me natural supplements, but a lot of what helped me during that time was being in this creative writing class, that poor teacher, <laughs> she must have thought that I was like off my wheels or something, but I would always write stories in that class. And like, there would be some classes where I would just stand up because I'm a performer at heart mm -hmm. and I would read <laughs> the things that I had written and like people would cry, like I was so depressing, but I, it was in those moments where I was like, 
oh, I could do this. Like I could, I can make something out of this, you know, process that I have and this outlet that I have. Uh, so yeah, I, it, it's always come in forms of writing and watching it play on the screen. Like I have dreams about things that I've written and I just wake up and I'm like, okay, this is going to script someday. <laughs> but um, I mean, that's how I got through this whole situation. And um, I've been writing a lot through quarantine because it's difficult. <laughs> Love but, yeah. I mean, that's just how I, I get through things. Honestly, it's my therapy. Like you said earlier. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's why we love art, right? It's yeah. <laughs> it build something because we all grew up doing community theater. And I think it, for me, especially it fulfilled something in me that I could channel hurt or emotions that I didn't feel comfortable with into, into art. And, and you've done that in such a lovely way to the point where like in my own personal life, seeing you do that, um, like recently when I, I lost my grandmother and that was the first big person in my life that I've lost. And it, I'd always had some ideas in the back of my head about shows and plays that I wanted to write, but I've never had the wherewithal to follow through. <laughs> and, um, and so like seeing inspiration in you doing something that was from such a deeply painful hurting experience in that time period it remembering that sort of inspired me to like sit down and really write my first play all the way through and and write write this story about like the three generations of of women in my family so thank you for inspiring people and, and putting your art out there because it like i said it's therapy for us but then it also inspires other people and i i think that's right. what what is beautiful about it well, thank you for sharing that story. I love that. I'm yeah. sorry about your grandmother. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that, like I said, it all evolved, like the creative process evolved from me just being frustrated and wanting to get these feelings out. And now it's about the awareness and the inspiration. And that's the beautiful part of it is that you can inspire other people. And that's, yeah, I mean, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. It's therapy and you get to share with others and inspire them to do amazing things. And I hope that you're, Play turns into something that's amazing. I would love to read it. It's really good, by the way. It's very young. <laughs> it's very fresh. It's very green. We're 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 still in the notes phase. Um, right. Yeah, you're in for a, a ride then. <laughs> um, I'm gonna touch back on something just because I've been thinking about it since you said it, and I just love it so much. Can we all please just have a Norman in our life? Because um, Jenny Beth, you know, she just said that, you know, for whatever reason, she never had that push to put pen to paper until, until she went through that. And, and, you know, we all have stories inside of us, I think, that, that we're all just like a little bit hesitant to put down on paper because if we do then we're vulnerable and we're like actually trying and if you're trying and it's not good then you're worthless and um that's not true that's just what we tell ourselves you know I feel like and um no negative self-talk on the podcast and yeah. I'm just I'm referring to it and saying that okay. we need to stop Second but if Second you can't day. stop find a Norman that can be like hey get it together and stop talking and dreaming about it and do it already because I feel like there's so much peace and catharsis to be found when you finish like not finish the entire project but just finish a draft and yeah, you're right. like it's out of me oh thank goodness <laughs> you know and so uh I love Ginny Beth's first draft and I can't wait to see what else she does with it but I'm just so happy that it exists and I need to get off my own butt about so many ideas that I've had and, and put pen to paper because, you know, maybe a script that I write will never turn into like a blockbuster, but it, it will be there for, for me and who knows who will see it and, and laugh on a day that they're having a bad day and they needed to laugh or think about something more deeply and and become better for it you know it's just like we need to stop being afraid 
of, uh, I don't know, being vulnerable because that's what it is in a, in a sense. When you create anything, you let yourself become vulnerable to it. And, um, and I think there's just so much growth that happens when you allow yourself to be vulnerable. And um, I just, I think that that's what makes us see you as so very, very brave. Because not only are you tackling a tough subject, but like you're artistically putting yourself out there. And that's, yeah. that's not yeah. easy to do. <laughs> yeah. And that was like my first project. So <laughs> that was even more terrifying than just the subject matter. <laughs> um, but something uh, that I really also taken out of this experience is not only just what I've learned, but people I've met too. And there's no telling, you know, what these things can lead to. I mean, I just had a screenplay and now I have this whole community of filmmakers that I'm really good friends with that, you know, are there for me emotionally, not just professionally. And it's, it's an amazing community. And like I said, um, just what I've learned internally too. So, I mean, there's no telling what can come of, like you said, being vulnerable and creating just whatever you never know who you're going to touch. Exactly. Yeah. So all of this being said, we know there's a rewrite in the works. We're, <laughs> we're hopefully going to have some fundraising, get that bigger budget for you. What else artistically do you have going on that you might want to put a shout out into the world about so people know? Uh, <laughs> Is that the question everybody hates? Like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> I <laughs> <hate it. laughs> Oh gosh. Um, um, I'm a princess sometimes. <laughs> um, so is Candace. <laughs> uh, Magic Lamp Entertainment slash Knoxville Princess Parties. We are launching a YouTube channel. It's already launched, really. Um, oh, that's awesome. But all the people that are involved are amazing, and I've been writing a lot for that. <laughs> So hopefully that will come to fruition soon once all of this craziness is over and we can actually be in the same room. <laughs> so yeah, that's exciting. We've been doing live videos on Facebook and just the children that we've been affecting. It's, it's amazing. I, I love doing this job. I didn't think I would at first because I've always thought of myself as more of a villain type. <laughs> <laughs> You, 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 yeah. you aren't. I'm so sorry. You're not. You're just a beautiful, <laughs> wonderful soul. You're not a villain. <laughs> I have a soft spot. No. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Can't really complain about being a princess. But yeah, the YouTube channel. And Candace is going to be on it too. I am. I've got, yeah. I've got a video that I'm plotting out for filming this week, actually. So I'm really... <laughs> pumped for that one uh i'm gonna be doing doing a little craft with you wee ones <laughs> I'm so excited so yeah so yeah definitely um we'll keep people in the loop because now is the time to stick a tablet in your kids hands because they're all home and they're all annoying so we'll keep you parents in the loop about those YouTube videos and, uh, and make sure you know where to check those out. Um, so yeah, sometimes we create uh, for very deep tar topics and sometimes we make princess videos and all of them are worthy. Yeah, it's all good. We're all just doing our best here. Yeah. yeah. Wait, circle. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, something that you were saying really quick. Um, that's the beautiful thing about creating your own work is that you don't have to wait for someone else to create work for you. You can just do it. And I think that's another beautiful thing about, you know, writing plays and screenplays. It's like, just do your own play. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do someone else's play. Yeah. It really is what you make it. Like creating is just creating a life for yourself sometimes. Yeah. I like you, you doing that. I keep talking about like how great it was, but I really do think it was great so much because I remember being in the program the acting program and that's a lovely place to be I think if you're in Chattanooga and you're looking to be an actor that's such a great stepping stone and it's relatively cheap for college so like give it a shot but there were guys in my class that would hound me and the other girls in in the program about we have to be 
at home with our, our sexuality. We have to be willing to show certain parts of us. We have to be willing to be in compromising situations that like, if a person is comfortable doing that work, that's great. You, you tell the work that you feel comfortable doing. But a lot of us at that time period did not feel comfortable. And I right. wish I could go back to my 18 year old self and say, create your own work. But it didn't, it didn't really occur to me till I had already, you know, been many years down the road and had sort of given up. And now, you know, that I'm a little bit further down the road, you know, my anxiety riddled brain wants to be like, it's too late. You've got nothing left to give. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm thankful to now be at that place where I realize you can, you can create your own work, you know, and, and you've done that. And it's so inspiring and lovely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, side note, you're never too old. I, like I know. Old. I hate that. I hate, like, it plagues so many of us. I know. <laughs> it's like always there, just biting your brain. Yeah. I remember turning 24 and being like, my time has almost come. I've almost <laughs> expired. Me right now. <laughs> flake away like Spider-Man in a year. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? We're all just doing our best here. It's true. That's true. Um, and I'm proud of us. Yeah. I'm proud of you guys for doing this. This is awesome. And I'm so honored that you asked me to do it. Well, of yeah. course. Yeah, thank you so much for doing it. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're honored to have you as our, our first interviewed guest for this Undisclosed Number episode. My heart. You'll have to uh, interview Norman next and see what he says about my, me being a friend. <laughs> he would be a fabulous interview. Yeah. Oh, my God. of that story. All right. Well, Abigail, from, from all of us, all two of us, <laughs> uh, we're all just doing our best here. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you yeah. for sharing yourself. And, and thank you for the work that you're creating. And um, audience, we're going to keep you updated, as I said, on the YouTube videos for the Princess channel. But most importantly, um, as updates come along about Fireball, we're going to make sure that you know so that you can see this beautiful final product. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me and supporting this. It, like I said, it was terrifying at first. So it's so nice to, to have touched people and to have such a nice reception reception from this but yeah yeah that works <laughs> words are hard <laughs> but we love you we know yeah. you're best. and jenny beth it's it's good to get to know you more i definitely want to like watch this or list, i guess listen to it <laughs> what's a podcast how you do it um yeah when it comes up so we keep me updated as well for absolutely sure. we will okay i love you Amazing. I'm sad to leave. <laughs> well, we'll just keep going, but I'm going to stop recording. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, bye. bye.